Well, welcome everyone to our Wednesday equipped service. Uh, if this is your first time, let me just welcome you. And uh, you might notice that this is not like our Sunday morning services. And it's because uh, it's our Wednesday equipped service that we want to uh, equip the saints, which is you, to do the works of God's ministry wherever you go. And um, I don't know if you guys noticed tonight, but we did have some of our youth up here. And they're actually, some of them are joining us here tonight. So, uh, and the reason why is because here at New Hope, Hilo Hawaii, we believe strongly in our next generation. And our heart here at New Hope is to reach the lost one relationship at a time. And the truth is, uh, it's not just our peers that we have to relate to, it's across the generation. Amen? That we got to be able to relate uh, from, from our seniors to uh, to those adults, to our youth, to our children, to our babies, everywhere, in every life stage, we have to relate. And tonight, that's kind of what we're going to focus on tonight. Um, now, some of you, uh, how many of you guys ever have, well, I'm pretty sure everybody, everybody's been to a party, right? Like birthday party, you know, kids party. And so uh, I remember as a kid, I used to love holidays because holidays where the one time where uh, all my uncles, my aunties, my cousins, they would come over. And being an only child, uh, I know if you're, an only, or if you're not an only child, if, you're, if you have siblings, you're probably going to say, you don't even know Ben. But as an only child, I, I was very lonely. Like, I didn't have, you know, I missed that. I, I listened to our youth, and they're like, you know, Ben, you, you're, you're lucky you're an only child. You know, because I'm the youngest, and I get picked on, or I'm the oldest, I get into all the trouble. And so, but I... I uh, I missed, I, I actually missed not having brothers or sisters. And so fa- uh, holidays were the one time where uh, our families would get together. And I remember when I was a kid, like when I was in, you know, five, six, seven, uh, like especially like the big holidays like Christmas, Easter. Uh, I remember uh, my grandma, we, we lived with our grandma, or our grandma lived with us. And my mom would wake up early in the morning and she would start cooking my grandma would wake up also and start cooking, and I, and I would be in bed just sleeping, trying my hardest to sleep as long as I can because there's a, I knew that if once I wake up, I would hear these words, oh, Ben, you got to go clean up. So I was like, if I sleep, if I force myself to stay in bed, then, you know, uh, I wouldn't have to clean up. But my mom guys had this really good trick. They cooked really good food. And so I'd be sleeping, and I would be just getting tortured because I'm like, no, stay in bed, stay in bed. Is that cool, pig? Is that, no, 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 I can't take it. So I'd get up, and I'd, I'd try and just walk straight to the bathroom, you know, and then I'd hear already, uh, Ben, you know, you need to help us clean up the house. Your uncles and aunties and cousins are all coming over. And I'm like, oh. I'm like six, seven years old. I don't want to clean. And, you know, not to mention, I don't even know how to clean at this point. And so, uh, you know, I'd go and all that. And so my grandma, I love my grandma because she would always pull me on the side. Hey, hey, Ben, come here. You can help grandma. So I, I remember she would always make uh, macaroni salad. And so she would always tell me, come help. And the reason why she told me, come help, is because I love macaroni salad that has the olives in it. Like, I'm sorry, if there's mac salad and there's no olives, it's already, like, minus points on my scale, okay? <laughs> but we would have, uh, we would have the, 
the olives. And so as we were doing it, she would put some on the side. And so I'd eat them. And then my mom would be like, um, oh, oh, I need a taste tester. And so I would go over like, oh, mom, what you making? What you making? I'll go, I'll go taste. I'll go taste. And so I'd taste it. I'd help myself to the maki sushi from Kawamoto's that was on the table. And so uh, that was it. And then by the time our family came, the food was ready. And we, had this big, we have this big table in our, in our dining room that 360 days, there's just trash on it. But the five days, which are, those, which are those holidays or special occasions that we met, we'd just clear it off, and that's where all our food would go. And so I remember uh, just that table having that much food. And so when our family would come over, I remember uh, my, my grandma would make her plate, and she would go inside our living room. Uh, my mom, guys, my uncles, my aunties, they would make their plate. They would, make, they would go into the living room. They would sit on the couches. And then us kids... Got the kids' table. I hated the kids' table. This, okay, let me explain to you why I hated the kids' table. It was a table in the corner. And already at six years old, I'm like, if I got to be in the corner, I know I'm in trouble. Okay? That's how, you know, that's how we got scolded in school. Oh, put your nose in the corner and you had to stand. And all. So anyway, so I hated the kids' table. And I always, was like, I always wanted to be part of the adult table. I always wanted to, hey, how come you guys, hey, how come you guys get to watch TV and eat? Hey, 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 hey. Turn around, face the wall. <laughs> Junk the kids' table. Play, play cards, you know, then run around with, our, with my cousins. And then things started to change. My grandma got older. She got weaker. And so she would, uh, we would actually make her plate, and we'd bring it to her in her room as she's watching Matlock or Perry Mason. See, I'm just letting you know, I know. And, uh, or Golden Girls. And, and uh, so we would, you know, she wouldn't join us in the living room. And then eventually we started growing up, and we're like, we don't want to be on the kids' table. We want to be on the adults' table. And the reason why I share that is because tonight's title is, What Do We Bring to the Table? And when I was a, when I was a Christian, when I first started being a Christian, uh, I always imagined what heaven would look like. How many of you have ever did that? You imagined what heaven looked like. And so I remember... When I, was, when I first started out in my walk with, with Jesus, I often asked, I wonder what heaven looks like. And then there was this song that I listened to on Caleb that made me imagine even more. And, and, and it was a song from Audio Adrenaline called Big House. And if you don't know what that song sounds like, it's the one that goes, uh, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. Oh, right there, I stopped. I was like, Wait. In heaven, there's a humongous table with all kind food and, you know, gain weight. <laughs> Guarantee. So I was like, yes, I can wait. Heaven, yes. <laughs> I, but, but there's something that caught me when I look at it now. There's something that caught me. Was that in that song, it says there's a big, big table with, with lots and lots of food. What I realized is that in heaven... There is no elders' table. There is no grown-ups' table. There's no kids' table. In heaven, there's just one big table. And tonight, if you'll let me, I wanna, I wanna, I'm actually want to speak to three generations. How do I know that this is not me? Because I was like, Lord, I, how am I going to do this? 
But I want to, the Lord said, relationships are great, but they can't just be our peers. If you're a youth, you shouldn't just have a relationship with other youth. If you're an adult, you shouldn't have just a relationship with other adults. And if you're a kupuna, you shouldn't have relationships with just kupunas. There has to be an intergenerational relationship. And so tonight, that's what we're going to focus on. Okay? And so if you would, we can turn to Exodus. Tonight we're going to take a look at the Old Testament and look at the relationships of three men. The names are Jethro, Moses, and Joshua. And we're going to look at the trailblazers, the servant leaders, and the promised land conquerors, and how we all bring something to the table. Now, some of you may not know who, who Jethro is in the Bible. But we first learn about who Jethro is in Exodus 2, starting in verse 16, after Moses kills the Egyptian. Some of you might not remember that, but uh, if you don't remember, Moses was born under Pharaoh. You know, he, his, he, he grew up with Pharaoh, and so... Uh, one day he's walking around and he sees an uh, uh, Egyptian beating up a Hebrew. And so he actually ends up killing him, killing the Egyptian, and then he flees. He flees, he runs out of there, and uh, he runs to the town of Midian. And so it, it says it right here in Exodus 2, 16 to 21. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters who came as usual to draw water and fill water troughs for their, father, for their father's flocks. But some other shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses jumped up and rescued the girls from the shepherds. Then he drew water for their flocks. When the girls returned to Reu, their father, he asked, why are you back so soon today? An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, they answered. And then he drew water for us and watered our flocks. Then where is he? The father asked. Why did you leave him there? Invite him to come and eat with us. Moses, Moses accepted the invitation, and he settled there with him. In time, Raul gave Moses his daughter Zipporah to be his wife. So Jethro is actually, in this scripture, he's actually called Raul. And he's actually the priest of the region Midian. When, where Moses arrives and remains for 40 years. He becomes Moses' father-in-law when Zipporah, his daughter, marries Moses. Now see, Jethro was not just an elder of his family, but of the entire region of Midian. And Jethro prepares Moses for what God was about to have him do for the rest of his life. Some of you know this story. Uh, you know the story of when Moses was was walking and he saw this, the story of the burning bush. Well, let me read to you what it says in Exodus 3, 1 to 10. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't, it didn't burn. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. 
When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because they're harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Now, I know as we read, that, we read those scriptures, we tend to get lost in the amazement of the burning bush, God speaking to Moses. But did you catch the very first sentence? Moses was already taught how to be a shepherd and tend to a flock of sheep of his father-in-law, Jethro. The Lord used Jethro to prepare Moses to go into battle and lead his people out of slavery. But he wasn't done yet. Jethro was an elder. He, he made Moses his, uh, a shepherd for his flock. And you could have said, oh, I'm done. I'm done. I did all that I can. I can now rest. But he wasn't done. If you turn to Exodus 18 we learn the relationship Moses had with Jethro and the relationship Jethro had with Moses. I'm actually going to read the whole thing. So stay with me. Okay? So it starts off, Moses' Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything God had done for Moses and his people, the Israelites. He heard especially about how the Lord had rescued them from Egypt. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip down to uh, verses 5, and then I'm going to read the rest. Uh, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived with Moses, and the people were camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent a message saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to see you with your wife and your two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed low and kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told them about the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the land of the Egyptians. Praise the Lord, Jethro said. For he has rescued you from the Egyptians and from Pharaoh. Yes, he has rescued Israel from the powerful hand of Egypt. I now know that the Lord is greater than all other gods because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud Egyptians. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. 
Aaron and all the elders of Israel came out and joined him in a sacrificial meal in God's presence. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited for it before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning to evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me and to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees and them, and give them his instructions. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You're going to wear yourself out, and, all, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. Now listen to me, and let me give you a word of advice, and may God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God, bringing their disputes to him. Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. Show, him, show them how to conduct their lives. But select from all the people some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 100, 50, and 10. They should, be all, they should always be available to solve the people's common disputes, but have them bring the major cases to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. You see, Jethro's advice to Moses was to teach the people of God's ways and then delegate uh, competent and honest men who fear God and hated bribes to sort out the conflicts, the small conflicts that was happening on in the camp. So that Moses wouldn't get burnt out. And not only did Jethro give advice, but Moses listened to it and followed it. You know, I remember one day, uh, I was, uh, I think I was like 10, maybe 9, 10, and I think we were doing a, a, a history project. So I, I went to my grandma and asked her, Grandma, where were you when Pearl Harbor got bombed? And so she told me that she was actually, although she was here on the island, on, on the big island, she actually prayed for, and she was worried about her family and friends that was on Oahu when it took place. And so I told her, Grandma, weren't you worried that maybe that would happen here? Like, you know, they could have sent bombers to the Big Island and, you know, and stuff like that. That could have went down here too. How did, how, why didn't, why, what did you do? And she told me, yeah, I, I could have, I, I, I knew that could have happened, but here's what I did. I just prayed for the best and hoped. And those words, those last words remained with me when I was a junior in high school watching TV as the events of September 11 passed. And I thought to myself, wow, it's pretty bad. 
And for those of you who remember that, they shut down all the, they said there was no school. Uh, they shut down all the air flights here to Hawaii because they just weren't sure. And I remember there was literally fear in my heart. Like, seriously, this could have happened. And although I didn't know Jesus at that time or as well as I did now, I remember saying, I'm just going to pray for the best and hope. Listen, right now I want to speak to our elders, our kapunas, and our, tra- and our trailblazers. Listen, you might think that you're nearing the end of the road. You may think that you're out of touch with today's world and that you're irrelevant. You are not. You're not. Take it from a 28-year-old guy, there's much more that we can learn from you. Much more that we can learn from you. You might think that it's too late to have a relationship with Jesus. It's not. Look at, look, Jethro was a priest. We, we, we read that. But did you notice that it wasn't until Exodus 18.11 that we see Jethro truly praise God above all the other gods? In fact, he says it. I now know that the Lord is greater than all, the, uh, all other gods because he rescued his people from the oppression of the proud e- Egyptians. You see, you, if, you're, if you're a senior in here, if you're, if you're a kupuna, if you're an elder, if you're a trailblazer, and you think you're done, do me a big favor. Take a breath. Did you? Good. That means you're not done yet. You're not done. Look, look, you might think that, oh, everybody has it. Everybody's doing good. Okay, so I can now rest. Listen, Moses... Moses went to battle for the Lord. Moses saw the plagues of the Lord. Moses saw the power of the Lord. Moses saw all those things. And yet, Jethro still came to him and gave him advice. Listen, if you are one of our, if you are one of our trailblazers, which means that you blaze the trail that we're walking on now, you're not done yet. Jethro wasn't done. He still could give advice to Moses. Imagine, if Jethro had not said that to Moses, who knows, Moses could have burnt out, gone crazy, and just went, ah! But he did it. And here's the catch. For everyone else, for everyone else, we need to embrace them. We, gotta em- we have to embrace our trailblazers, our kapunas, and our elders. See, we need to need them. Trust me. We need to embrace them just as Moses embraced Jethro. See, Moses needed that advice. Moses had a hard task in front of him. Uh, If you had to lead over two million stubborn people, you needed that advice. (laughs) They argued and argued about their situations. And it leads them to Exodus 32. And this is where Moses' faithful leadership is shown. And so you can turn to Exodus 32. And we're going to start in verse 19. And some of you know this story. It's the story of the golden calf. And I'm going to start in verse 19. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made and burned it. Then he ground it into powder, threw it in the water, and forced the people to drink it. See, look, he was going crazy. Good thing Jethro spoke to him. 
Finally, he turned to Aaron and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you such, to bring you such terrible sin upon them? Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the, to the camp and shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you, take your swords and go back and forth from the camp, from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone even your brothers, your friends, and your neighbors. The Levites obeyed Moses' command, and about 3,000 people died that day. Then Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord, for you obeyed him even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. And the next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps... I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. Did you notice Moses' stance? I mean, here he is. He's on Mount Sinai, and the Lord is speaking to him. He's actually being given the Ten Commandments. And in the middle of it all, God interrupts him and says, Whoa, hold on. My people are being rebellious right now. <laughs> they're, they're worshiping another god. They're worshiping a cow. And right there, God immediately shows his wrath. He's like, nope, sorry, I'm going to wipe them out. And here comes Moses going, Lord, 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 don't. Listen, if you do that, all the people in, in Egypt are going to think that all we did was we got let out just so you could slaughter us here. And they're going to think that it was all a lie. That was the first stance he took. Did you see the second? He comes down the mountain angry. And you know what? They're throwing a party. He could have easily said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy it. I'm going to just jump in. We'll, we'll, we'll smooth it out later tomorrow. But he comes down, and he's passionate about the Lord. His fire is burning. And he's like, whoever's with the Lord, come here. Draws a line in the ground. Come here. Come here. And out of all those who are there, the Levites come. Moses could have just let it go. He could have compromised and joined in. But Moses remained true to God. Moses takes a stand. And not only does he take a stand, he actually weeds out those who are not on the Lord's side. And then he goes back to the Lord and asks for their forgiveness. And at this point, I want to speak to the adults in here. I'm an adult, a young adult, trying to hold on to that young part. But I'm still an adult. Listen, I know it can be hard. I know it can be hard being an adult in this world. I know. The economy is suffering. Bills need to be paid. There's wars being waged. People are hungry. There's diseases everywhere. Divorces are happening. Families are being destroyed. Everyone is complaining. They're doing their own thing. So what do we do? 
Simple. Lead. Listen, if you're an adult in this room, you're called to lead. Not with your heart, because the Bible says the heart is the most wicked thing known to man. Not with your mind, because your mind can also be manipulated and deceived. Not with emotions, because your emotion is just another part of your flesh. Lead with the Spirit of God. Lead with the Spirit of God. And the only way that will happen, the only way that will happen is when we take a stand for God based on His Word. Based on His Word. How, we, how, how can we lead? When we choose to worship Him and not the golden calves of this world. You see, you may think, you may think that God chose Moses, and while that's half true, the other half is this. Moses chose to lead. He chose to step on that holy ground. He chose to stand before Pharaoh, and he chose to go down the mountain and tell the people, you're sinning, and do what he had to do. Moses chose not to side with those worshiping a false god because Moses knew what side he was on. And how do you do that? Because he was being led to lead. You see, we must choose to lead. Adults, we got to... Listen, I remember being a kid going, I cannot wait till I'm an adult so I can run the world. Well, adults, we're now, I'm now an adult. And it is honestly my obligation to help run this world. If I don't do my part, the responsibility falls on me as well. See, we're called, we're called to lead. We got to choose it, though. We have to choose it. But not only do we need to choose to lead, but lead according to the ways of God. Because listen, there are people, there are things going on right now, you guys see it, where this is not being how we're being led. There's, I know there's good, honest people that they're trying their best to lead. But listen, until this becomes your leader's manual, you cannot lead well. Moses had God. That's how he led that's how he was able to lead over two million people. As stubborn and as crazy as they were, complaining as they were, that's how he led them. You see, he had God leading him. You can't be a leader for God's kingdom if your Bible is at home collecting dust or propping up a table. You can't. Paul said it best. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. See, we must choose to lead in our community, in our workplace, and above all in our families. I remember one time I was, driving my, I was riding with my mom, and for those of you who don't know, my, my dad passed away when I was actually, when my mom was still pregnant with me. So I never got to meet my dad. And so uh, I remember one day I'm driving with my mom, and I, I've been talking to her, and I'm going, Mom, how did you do it? Like, how did you, how did you stay strong? And this is what she told me. She told me I wasn't. It's the first time I ever heard her say that. My mom is a strong woman. I know she is. That is the first time I ever heard my mom say I wasn't. 
And then she, first, she continued to tell me. She told me when my dad died, it was the hardest time of her life. She was so depressed that she was honestly thinking about taking her own life. She was. And then one of my uncles talked to her and told her, what about the, what about the baby? Now listen, like I said, my mom, my mom is a strong woman. She didn't have to listen to my uncle, but she made a choice. She made a choice to live. <coughs> and she made a choice to lead. If we don't make that choice to lead, adults, parents, if we don't make that choice to lead, then we ultimately make the choice to follow. And the scary part is this. When I, don't choose to, when I choose not to lead, or if, if I choose not to lead, then ultimately, what in the world am I following? You see, it's important to hear advice from our trailblazers, like Jethro. And it's important in how we lead, like Moses. We've got to choose to lead. And the reason is because there is always a Joshua standing around. See, Joshua was there at Mount Sinai when Moses was first given the Ten Commandments. In fact, it was Joshua who said, Lord, it sounds like they're partying. And according to Numbers 11.28, Joshua had been Moses' assistant since he was a youth. He was approximately 30-something years younger than Moses. Joshua was one of the two spies that was told to go into the Promised Land. And he was one of the only two, he was one of the 12, and he was one of the only two that came back and gave a favorable report. And it would also be Joshua that would take the reins from Moses and lead the nation of Israel to the promised land. In Numbers 27, 18, it says, The Lord replied, Take Joshua, son of Nun, who has a spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eliezer, the priest, before the whole community, and public, publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him, so the whole community of Israel will obey him. When direction of the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eliezer, the priest, who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord, to determine his will. This is how Joshua and the rest of the, com the community of Israel will determine everything they should do. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eliezer, the priest, and the whole community. Moses laid hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. See, Moses would pass the mantle of Israel's leadership to someone that he knew since they were a youth. And by the time Joshua takes hold, the complaining generation that came before him passed on. Here he was, here Joshua was, leading the next generation of Israel into the present. In Deuteronomy 31, says, Then Moses called for Joshua, and all Israel watched. And as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead these people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors he would give them. You are the one who will divide it among them as their grants of land. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither, neither fail you nor abandon you. Last week, our youth ministry U-turn we had this, uh, we had our infiltrate the 808, which is our service week. And uh, it's been a, it's our first one. And we went out. We didn't, tell, we didn't really want to advertise it. We just wanted to go out and serve. And so we went out and we served our community to the best that we could. Uh, we had a free car wash here at the church. 
Um, we also made spam musubis, and we went, out, we went downtown uh, late one afternoon, and we passed it around to those who were hungry. Uh, we also made yarn lays and uh, blankets for uh, residents at Life Care Center. And then we also took time to actually go out and pray for our community. This is youth. Intermediate students, high school students. That's what they did. Now, when I first prayed about it, be honest, uh, when I first prayed about it, I was like, Lord, only 10 going to sign up. And only five going to actually show up because, you know, I've been doing youth for a while. I know how that's going to be. Well, boy, was I wrong. Because over 20 kids signed up. And I kid you not, every, sur- every outing that we went to, there was at least a dozen of us. And I felt like, hey, 12 disciples. Right? You see, that's why it's important to invest in our next generation. Because they're actually the now generation. Now, if you didn't know, we do have some of our youth in here. And they're sitting right over here. So I'm going to come over here. And this is for all the young people. To our young people. Know that you are capable of living your lives far beyond your circumstances. Know that you don't have to inherit the ways of this world, but that you can stand and conquer the promised land. In in Joshua 1, sorry, it says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness, in the south of the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is the Lord speaking to Joshua. And that is the Lord speaking that into the hearts of our young people today. Be strong and courageous. Rise up and live out your faith. Don't be swayed by swag and Instagram. Be founded by your relationship with Jesus Christ, by his word. Have real relationships with people, not just Facebook or Twitter. Know that while there is much to learn from others, you have much to give. Be intentional by the way you live. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. 1 Timothy 4.12 
You see, we as a people are becoming numb to having relationships with another, especially within our generations. But when we realize that all we need is each other, that's when we begin to feel again. We're going to watch a quick video, and this is going to show you how each generation plays a part in bringing something to God's table. If you are a trailblazer or a kupuna, you're not done yet. If you're an adult, it's time that we choose to lead. And if you are a young person in this room tonight, be strong and courageous because the time is now. Because when it comes to, the God, when it comes to God's house, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. A big, big table with lots and lots of food. A big, big yard where we can play football. A big, big house. It's our Father's house. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, tonight... Lord I, Lord, I pray right now that your words have fallen onto, onto fertile soil, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, if there's, if there's anyone here tonight, any of our kupunas, any of our trailblazers, any of our elders who think that they're done, Lord, you give them that breath to let them know they're not. That there's much that they can still give that they're, they're here still for a reason. I pray for the adults in this room, Lord, the ones that have the power to, to make decisions. I pray, Lord, that we would choose to lead not on our own foundations, but on the foundations of your word. That the world we will lead, that the world we live in, will be yours. And Lord, pray, pray for the next generation. Let them know that they are more than conquerors, that they have the promised land wherever their, their foot may go. You have promised unto them. I pray, Lord, that we would not be a people that just build relationships with one another in our own generation. But that, Lord, we would truly stretch out beyond all the generations, and be intergenerational. That we will see young people spending time with their kupunas, getting wisdom, getting advice. That we will see adults choosing to live on the foundation of your word and not of their heart. And in doing so, lead all of the young people Lord, tonight, you're all, you're all about relationships, Lord, but tonight, Lord, would you just fill us and let us know that there we all have a purpose. There's something that we all can bring to your table because it's a big table. You don't have a grown-up's table. You don't have a kid's table. There's just one. And so, Lord, use us. Let us be your people. And when we walk out of here tonight, forever changed because of who you are in us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we praise you for who you are. 
We love you and we pray this in your name. And we all said, amen, amen.